Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There is no better of plants of flower power and forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Listeners to this podcast will be familiar with Flora Select, the international organisation for the ornamental plants industry. And today, we welcome Sally van der Horst back to the show to talk about the marigold trial at Wisley in Surrey. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. It's quite remarkable what a bit of rain will do. Goodness, we had uh, one day, I think it was Friday, wasn't it, where uh, it rained pretty well all day. That was just what we needed. Goodness, what a lifesaver, particularly for trees and shrubs and things. And my lawn, I mean, I couldn't believe it. In a matter of days, it went from brown to really quite rich green. I was lucky, I suppose, I have somebody who comes two or three times a year to feed the lawn, a company called Green Thumb, and they came in June and applied a slow-release fertiliser. I thought uh, that was a bit of a waste of time, but in practice, the ground was quite hard. The slow-release granules just sat there, and the soil, of course, got very warm. And then once it did rain, all that fertiliser was released pretty quickly, And the land also generates quite a bit of uh, plant foods when it just sits there baked by the sun. If I look at my two neighbours each side, I mean, their lawns are still pretty brown. They're greening up, but nowhere near as quickly as where there's been a little bit of uh, tender, loving care. One of uh, our guests, Gordon Ray, he was speaking recently, and he emailed me to say that He'd uh, scarified his lawn and pulled all the dead grass out. I didn't have the time, wasn't sure that it was the best time to do it. So I must get in touch with him and just see how his lawn looks. And had I torn mine about, then I would have probably added a little bit of fresh grass seed. But I prefer to do that in September, October, when the soil will stay pretty moist. And even if it doesn't, You've got those morning dews to keep the germinating grass going. Really great to look out from the window once again and see a verdant green lawn. Boy, it makes the garden. And it's really refreshing to see it. I was interested to read that the glyphosate weed killer that's so widely used around the world is now getting resistance in some species. In France... Uh, they're finding that both fleabane and rye grasses are not killed now by glyphosate, uh, probably because uh, that particular weed killer has just been used too much. In Israel, too, there's resistance in roadside vegetation. 
really when it comes to the use of chemicals, we need to uh, be cautious, only use them when we have to, and to ring the changes to prevent this resistance building up. I mean, uh, when it comes to weed control, the cultivation is still quite useful. No weed is mightier than the hoe, and I mean that. If you just keep chopping heads off as soon as they come up through the soil, no weed can survive that. And there are other non-chemical options that we can ring the changes with. Uh, I mean, there's hot water, there's wire brushes, which are very useful in block paving. The traditional weeding. I mean, even way back in uh, Rajar Kipling's day, he was on about broken dinner knives used to... Uh, take weeds from paths and then we've also got a foam treatment now which is hot water biodegradable foam sort of made up of natural plant oils and sugar uh, I was interested to read that that not only kills unwanted vegetation but it cleans the street of dirt, grime, chewing gum and graffiti so there we are, I wouldn't have thought of that uh, Professor Nicola Spence is a uh, Repeating the message from the Plant Health Authority, please do not bring flowers, fruit or vegetables back into the UK. They can carry pests and diseases that would destroy UK plants and crops. She has a, really a very responsible job trying to stop these really difficult pests and diseases coming into the UK. And so I would uh, back fully her request that we don't bring stuff back from holidays and from travel into the UK. When it comes to advice, I've noticed that the bulbs are arriving on garden centres and, and if uh, you're thinking of getting small bulbs, and by small bulbs I mean things like winter aconites, miniature narcissus and snowdrops, get them as soon as possible. They dry out and shrivel if they're in shops too long and if you don't have soil ready to plant them, just pot them up into some damp potting compost. Uh, the other message too, when it comes to uh, the larger bulbs, remember the bigger the bulb size of any given cultivar, the better the flower is likely to be, and in the case of Narcissus, the more of them. There is just one exception. When it comes to hyacinths to grow out in the garden, in borders and in containers, then you don't want the biggest bulb. Really large bulbs, and I'm talking 19 centimetre circumference hyacinths, produce an enormous spike of bloom. And if it rains and they get very heavy, they flop. So when it comes to hyacinths for the garden, then we go to the middle size. But with all of the other big bulbs, go for the big size. Might cost you a bit more, but I'll tell you, you'll uh, be more than happy with spending that little bit of extra. I don't know whether uh, they have a crystal ball, but Fleur Select, the organisation that looks after the flower seed trade, especially internationally, uh, uh, last January uh, selected marigolds and peppers as the plants for the year. Now, they must have been psychic because the current really hot dry weather certainly suits the marigolds and so I've invited Sally Vanderhorst back. She was with us in January telling us about the years of the marigold and the pepper. Did you have a crystal ball, Sally? Well, we certainly 
did, Peter. I mean, goodness me, what a year for marigolds. I, I've, I've actually thought we could call them magnificent marigolds because <laughs> it is the perfect year for marigolds. All that sun, they love it. Now, you were recently uh, travelling across from Holland to, to Wisley uh, where they have a really big trial. Can you describe that to uh, our listeners? Well, as you come over the hill, at the top of the hill in Wisley, and you look down on the trial field, it just catches your eye, the brilliant colour of those orange-yellow marigolds really shining out, as it were, and they've planted a magnificent bed. Um, in fact, um, I think they virtually had no losses at all when they produced the plants to plant out, so they've done a magnificent job, all credit to the gardeners there at Wisley. And uh, we have a magnificent uh, range of the smaller French marigolds right up to the taller African marigolds, all looking splendid. Now, when we get really wet summers, you know, a, a heavy storm or half a day's rain, uh, he says, wishfully thinking, <laughs> uh, 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 the African marigolds, the Americans like to call them American marigolds, those really big globular yellow and orange cream flowered, they didn't really like the wet, did they? Well, they don't like the wet because they actually um, lose uh, from the centre. They they um, they start to slightly go a little a little bit off, of course, from the centre, and the water falls into the into the middle of the marigold. And then, uh, as as they as they uh, that water gets into the heads, of course, they can slightly rot the marigolds. But uh, this year, we've not seen any of that, Peter, because of course there has been no uh, yeah, there has been no rain, has there? But it's not just Wisley. We have another extensive trial in the Cotswold Wildlife Park down in the West Country. And, and you've got others, haven't you, scattered across Europe? Yeah, we've got... Uh, uh, the, for, for the first time, uh, the Cotswold Wildlife Park was interested in, in growing the marigolds. I've seen a couple of pictures, Pete, and they look magnificent. They've sort of planted a ribbon. If, if you like to think that Wisley were more in, in, in straight beds, I saw some very interesting planting from the Cotswolds Wildlife Park where they planted a sort of a ribbon of, of the marigolds. Today I actually had a photograph in from the Eiger Park in Erfurt in Germany. Erfurt is the centre of the sea trade many years ago. It's in the, in the part of eastern Germany and they have a beautiful park there called the Eiger Park and we have a magnificent display there. And also in the Jardin de Plant, that's part, right in the centre of Paris, which is near the, Ma the National History Museum there. A beautiful garden. And last year they grew, uh, also grew a trial for us of the, of the zinnias and the year before of the cosmos. And they're very keen on, uh, on, on helping out our, our, our trade, our sea trade. And then finally, in, in, uh, in Dublin, the Agriculture and Food Development Agency, and I can't pronounce this, it's Tizak, I'm afraid I'm not very good at the... Your, at Gallic, the, your Gallic's the about Gallic, as good as mine. Very good here. <laughs> and they also uh, took, took this year, they heard about our, our displays and were very interested to take some marigolds as well. So they have a, a display going on there. So, yeah, we've really, uh, we've really interested the world in marigolds this year, Peter. And it's nearly time. Sally, I remember when we had the Garden Festival up in Liverpool, goodness, that's a long time ago, on the hillside facing west, they planted 
French marigolds like rays of sun. Fantastic. And and it's nice to see this colour being brought back. You know, when you have really blue skies and hot weather, you need strong colours, don't you? That's absolutely the case, Peter. I mean, that's what I saw when we went to Whitley. It was just strikingly beautiful. And in fact, Whitley's running a people's choice. So any member of the public that visits Whitley can go down there and vote for their favourite marigold. So and then when I'd been there, they'd had hundreds already of people enjoying, enjoying the park and also uh, voting. So yeah. day out, here you go. <laughs> but you tell me that uh, there's a lot of interest in marigolds in the Far East. Now, is it Thailand that uh, are breeding marigolds? Thailand certainly are one a lot. We have a member in Thailand, a Miri Seed. They're a, they're a Thai company, and they uh, breed uh, for the garlands there, for the offers in Vietnam, and all the all the Asian countries are interested in breeding uh, marigolds for their garlands. If you think about a garland, that they string them together, and 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 India, in fact, as well, do that. And in Indonesia, they use the marigold heads in the in the little. Uh, baskets that they put the offers in so yeah there's there's quite considerable interest and that's why a lot of the marigolds especially the big-headed marigolds are bred there but also they're looking to see how they can uh, use their breeding work actually for the gardens in Europe as well so that there's a, a new thought process about how they can use those and obviously some of the main breeders uh, Syngenta and Pan American have always bred anyway marigolds also that, that are suitable for the European market. As well as the garlands, I mean, they're used uh, for these carnivals. The Festival of Flowers in Jersey, they've used, uh, I think, their African marigolds. The young farmers' clubs grow them and, and use those for floats. Now, you were telling me that you, you went to a floral carnival in the Westland. That's right, Peter. That's the Westland is what we call the part of Holland where the greenhouses all are. It's, it's one, one sea, if you like, of greenhouses. That's where all the production companies are for the flowers and for the plants. And they have a, 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 car, a festival, if you like, on the water. It, the floats, it's not floats as in, as in uh, parade floats on wheels, but it's floats on the water. And they decorate the floats and have music and... Uh, with flowers and plants. I think they had a half a million visitors or over a half a million visitors. So again, that's always around the first week in August and uh, really it's beautiful. It's free. You can just park your car and sit along the side of the water and enjoy the floats. Do you know I'd never heard of that, Sally? No. You know, the number of times I've been to Holland and my connections with the Dutch nursery industry, I've I've never heard mention of that uh, Westland parade. It's called the Farrande Corso, the Floating Corso. What a lovely idea. I must, try and yeah. get, I must try and get to that. Now, the weather's been a bit warm with you, presumably. It, something special has to happen, doesn't it? Your government control your heat waves. <laughs> <laughs> we can't call oh, it I a heat <laughs> We can't call it a heat wave unless you have special qualifications. Yeah, you have to have qualifications for a heat wave. Well, we have our KNMI, which is the Royal Dutch Meteorological Institute, is in a place called De Bilt in Holland. Now, to get a heat wave, you have to have five days of consecutive 25 degrees, of which three must be above 30 degrees. So that constitutes an official heat wave. So we had a heat wave, and then we had it, we dipped under the 25, so that ended it, and we started one again. So there you go, we're in our second heat wave. How about that? I don't know in Britain 
when it when it was the constitution heat wave. I don't know that. Do you know that, Peter? No, uh, we, I don't think we have that sort of qualification. I can tell you that my daughter was up in the lakes last week and they didn't have a dry day. Can you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. wish they'd, I wish they'd just swapped one day's <laughs> rain from the lakes back down into the southeast. Boy, I, mm-hmm. I would have loved that. Now, Sally, what about next year? If, if, if you did a fantastic job with the marigolds and peppers for this year, what's plant of the year for... Uh, 2019? Well, we, when we look at the plant of the year, Peter, the idea is to look at a plant which uh, the consumer is easily able to uh, to sow. Uh, the, the idea comes from our... Obviously, we, we could take something like a petunia, which is a very widespread saleable product. But what we're looking at is we're helping... In this way, we're trying to help our packet seed companies a little bit, uh, looking at products which is, is easy for direct sowing. And uh, so we're going to take the nasturtium next year which is a very nice, uh, well-used traditional garden plant. So we will be uh, doing the year of the nasturtium. Well, now, you're going to work with the Monet Garden because, I mean, they've really used nasturtiums beautifully, haven't they? Planted it each side of a graveled sort of drive and they use climbing nasturtiums, except that they just grow out over that, um, you know, hard surface. Absolutely fantastic show. And yeah, course, especially in England, I understand nasturtiums are very popular. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, if you stick a few seeds into a hanging basket and the petunias or whatever it is you've planted burn out when you're away for a few days, the nasturtiums can put up with that and they fill the gap. We've got, uh, you know, things like Alaska with variegated foliage, modern kinds of flowers are well up above the leaves. Yeah, but it'll be a very good thing, won't it? Yeah, and I understand that that's what they've been breeding for in the last year, so to get the flowers above the foliage, which is most important. And they're spurred and unspurred, is that correct, Peter? Yes, on the back of the flower. And and you can eat them, can't you? Do you eat nasturtium flowers? Yep, you can pick them and you can eat them. You can use them in salads, you can use them for decoration, and uh, yeah, you can have them in your own garden and pick a few to put in a salad. So... Yeah, we th- we think it's a great plant for next year, and we think it's uh, we th- we we as an organisation think it's it's yeah it's it's a great plant uh, for the public. So we hope that the uh, gardens that have taken our varieties this year will do it again next year. I look forward to seeing that display, and of course going back to Wisley and and see the show there. Sally, thanks for joining us. Uh, wish you well, and and greetings from Britain across to Holland. <laughs> I'm interested to read that Lidl is going to have a too-good-to-waste fruit and veg trial. At 122 of their stores, uh, they're going to have five kilogram packs for for £1.50, I'm going to say 150 pence for £1.50, of um, fruit and veg that's, you know, just getting a bit near the sell-by date. Uh, And if that's a success... They think uh, it could save 10,000 tonnes of uh, produce being thrown out. Amazing world we live in, isn't it? Sounds like a pretty good deal, though. pound fifty for five kilograms of uh, fruit and veg. Don't forget, when it comes to uh, what's on, we have the Southport Flower Show today through to Sunday. And also in uh, Belgium, it's the Begonia Carpet in the Grand Place. Uh, they have uh, nightly concerts and music shows. So if you happen to be in uh, Belgium, 
in the next day or two, then just go and have a look. Fantastic how they build these carpets just with begonia flowers. Thanks again to Sutton Seeds of Torquay and thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.